everybody, this is Peter Malouf from the Capgemini New York-based Applied Innovation Exchange. With me as always, Sam Burden. Sam. Hi. Good morning, everyone. I guess good morning if you're in New York. <laughs> um, yeah, Samantha Burden. I work with Pete on the Applied Innovation Exchange team, um, leading our marketing operations. So happy to be here and happy to have you here, Manuel. Thank you. Thank you guys for the invitation. Yeah, so we're with uh, Manuel Sayas today. Um, Manuel is the founder of Brooklyn S, a micromobility startup. And we're talking to him a little bit today about his company and, and his background. So welcome, Manuel, and uh, we're, we're glad to have you here today. Thank you, Peter. Happy to be here. So let's get started. Um, the first thing we wanted to talk about is just a little bit about Brooklyn S, and then we'll get into a little bit about your background. So can you tell us a little bit about Brooklyn S and the arc of your company? Because you started out doing bicycles at first. It was uh, yeah. foldable bikes, and now you're doing scooters. Where where are you? Yeah, I think in, in general, when we, we are... Uh, the founders of the company are product people. So we do things. We build stuff and we make it according to most of the time to what we believe is needed. Um, but now I think the evolution of the company has taken us to a place where we've, we, we're thinking and based on the interaction we have with our customers that we are a service company. So we're positioning ourselves now and this is a transition we do now. Maybe it's a conversation we can have, uh, later on too. It's like we are a micro mobility as a service company uh, in a way that Yes, we do have a scooter, but the scooter is just a way to get people from A to B today. We don't know what it's going to be tomorrow, but looking into the future, we want to build something that is just more of a, a helping tool or helping system for people to move from A to B. And that, that gives us the flexibility to go anywhere in order to accomplish a mission. And today we have scooters, and they're very exciting. It's a lot of fun uh, to make them. Uh, and it's a lot of fun to ride them, and it's a lot of fun to uh, see people riding them too. Could you just go a little bit more into that? Why scooters? Because there's so many different modes of like micro transportation, and you started with bikes, yeah. and now you've gone to scooters. But yeah, just so in, in our experience, we we started Brooklyn's formally four years ago in 2015, and in that process. Um, we were doing bicycles before, so the bicycles, and, and again, when I, when I grew up, I grew up building motorcycles. So I know internal combustion engines, I can, you know, I can, I can do all that, and that was what I knew at that point. Uh, but then I discovered bikes and electric bikes and, and the, the, the simplicity of an electric system. Um, so we did a, an electric bike as a first project for Brooklyners. Uh, and that was a great, learning process and we did a kickstarter campaign we delivered bikes and we were doing all those things but uh, bikes is a thing in, in general is an all paradigm business in many ways and it's all paradigm product and if you look at the bikes on itself the innovation that happened the last 20 years been in like minimal increments better material you know one more gear or whatever it's just a very small stuff and not really a substantial step forward into the, into that product itself. Same thing on the business way of, on the way that people do business from the manufacturing side, from the brands on the bike, and for the way that people get bikes to use and to have. Mm -hmm. So we, we look at that and it's like, this is just old stuff. And then this whole revolution happening, uh, in Santa Monica with Bert, I think it really just triggered it in, in a way that, okay, this is something that people really Took onto it, 
and we kind of like, okay, this is a product that, okay, this is going to happen. Mm. And then when you see it that way, it's like there's more simplicity to it. The business model that we're using it made more sense than going to buy a bike on Amazon, something like that. So we look at that. And, but at the same time, we had a scooter on the works. We've been, we're product people. So we have a lot of things that we're working on. Okay. Uh, actually, that might be an issue for us because we, we work too many things at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes we need to be like, you know, we need to sit down and just focus on, on certain things. So, but, um, so we had a scooter on the, on the works and we decided to do, uh, a, a focus. That was an exercise of focus. Say, okay, let's, we're doing bikes. Bikes are good. We learn a lot. Um, mm-hmm. at that point, we already had six months doing a subscription with the bike. So the same model that we have now, but we were doing it with the bikes only. Mm-hmm. Uh, was very successful, but there were many shortcomings regarding to just the bike. We had a lot of calls and a lot of the time was spent on fixing flat tires and adjusting the brakes, mm-hmm. which is all part of an old paradigm of, from the product point of view, right? Um, and the scooter didn't have those issues. The scooter was much more straightforward. So that was really the basic decision of making going through the scooters. Great decision. I think we, we're good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have a lot of acquired knowledge on bicycles. We want to go back and do that. Uh, but I think we are focused now on this, and I think this is the path forward. It sounds like there was an evolution there. So you started with bikes and saw that there were some limitations uh, to both the mode of transportation as well as the business model. You got scooters. And then where we started the conversation was you're viewing yourselves now as more of a service. Yeah in terms of first mile, last mile, getting people around cities. Yeah. Um, where do you see that continuing to go? Because uh, bikes have a longer range. If you think about the context in which people are yeah. traveling to get to work, bikes are generally more in the yeah. 5 to 10 kilometer range. Scooters are a little bit more in the half a kilometer to four kilometer range. Walking is obviously underneath that. Shared cars above that. How do you see Brooklyn S evolving and fitting into that ecosystem? So in, in the, the transition that we're going through now is going from a product company to a service company in, in the way that we look at what the experience of the user is. And providing one vehicle, it's very short-sighted in a way that how, how much good can you do in the world if you just provide a scooter? However, if you provide a set of tools for people to actually move from A to B, and maybe not the only set of tools, maybe by other ways of doing other people, but at least certain uh, strategies, which include a vehicle, which include other ways of transportation, maybe more than one vehicle, maybe things are more related to safety, um, combination with other modes. So there are many other things that I think you need to think about bigger. Uh, and that, what I think is really the evolution. And... I think you were going to a point that the scooter is just not the answer. It's what we know today. Uh, like same way, like the Palm Pilot wasn't the answer for right. mobile phones. You know, it's like, but it was a step there, and it was exciting and did a lot of good things and and took people from um, I don't know the the notebook to something else and eventually something else came by. So I think there's an evolution of what's happening, and, and I think technology and also the, the user adoption, all that needs to be eased in, into this. And, and also, if you put the government into the whole thing, I think it's right. like also that needs to be, like, that takes even longer. So all those step into transition to something new and bigger, 
are happening now in front of us and in, you know if you look at this like 10 years from now we'll see it oh yeah that was part of that allowed this to, to right happen. retrospect we'll yeah. be able to see the yeah. linkages yeah speaking of the government so mm -hmm. recently up in albany in new york state they um finally allowed uh scooters however the my understanding is they're going to leave it up to di different cities to have their own jurisdiction about how to legislate for them how does brooklyn s how do you view the things that are happening i mean my personal opinion is i can't ever imagine a bird or anything like that with a leave behind with a leave on the street kind of scooter here in new york um the ones that people can just randomly grab i'm from denver I, you know, there's six different um, uh, scooter companies operating there. Uh, it's got a lot of more wide open space. Um, so I can see that. I just can't see it happening in New York. What do you see as kind of the legislative aspect of what's happening with scooters in New York City? Do you see competition from some of the bigger names? And how do you how are you reacting to that? Yeah, I think, you know, looking from the competitive point of view for us, I think New York is a prize city for most companies. Um, and, and at the same time, I think New York is probably going to be the toughest. And they've been working hard, a lot of lobby for the last maybe year, year and a half. And so New York is, is, is different because you have uh, Motivate, which slash Lyft. And that has certain, and when I say New York, I mean Manhattan specifically. Right. right. So that puts a big stop on anything that could happen given the prior relationship between Motivate and the city of New York. So I personally, I, and, and I'm saying this based on conversation with other people, but nothing that somebody will come on board and say, like, okay, this is what's happening. Right. But my view is that that will not happen unless it's very well structured. Even Bird Align might get something like this, but it still might need to be a docked person mm -hmm. or with very hard regulations on where you leave it and some other things. So, but again, I think, you know, the nature of a startup is not to be bound by sometimes <laughs> not very smart legislation. So right. uh, I think it's going to happen somehow, somewhere. Um, so it, it's going to happen. Uh, Maybe you see competition happening. I, th I think it's going to happen. I think the first thing that's going to happen is maybe the same model we have today happening in the boroughs. Right. And then eventually doing little breaking the laws of pushing the, pushing the boundaries into the city. Right. And eventually making it more bold and eventually changing the way the things are. Yeah. And I just also think we were talking about before this, just even our, I mean, the laws have to change or the rules and the regulations have to change, but then there's also the bigger and probably slower and harder um, aspects that needs to change, like our infrastructure. So you're talking about yeah. just riding over here, the, the amount of bike lanes that we have, I mean, our, you know, scooter bike lanes, there's not enough. So that's also another consideration to take into account that you need to just change the, the layout of the city, our, our road system, things like that. So. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, part of that too is, I think, behavior on mm -hmm. people because I think there is a pretty good bike lane infrastructure in New York City. However, the, there are a lot of trucks parked into it and yeah. that makes it very hard to actually use that as is designed to be used. So I think the behavior of pretty much everybody needs to change and that behavior is going to change when there's a consequence to bad behavior. Mm. And as of today, there's a match of a consequence to bad behavior, meaning a car parked 
on the bike lanes, you get a ticket, like not even a second. Yeah. And when that is a rule, I mean, it's, it is a rule, but it's not being enforced. Right. So I think that's going to help, but it's, that is immediate, immediate. I think the bigger change will be when we start closing streets, dedicate this to micromobility, and and once that happens and people realize, oh, look, this is going to make sense. Uh, like when other cities happen that would use, you know, just separate the middle lane to have just buses running there and the whole traffic evolves very positively. Yeah. They never expect that to happen and people thought, no, let's not do that. Let's have more cars. And then when they had it, okay, mm, this might be good. Right. And then other cities start doing it. So there's going to be a city that will take the leadership in this. Maybe it's New York. I think New York is not doing anything else. Maybe because they're cooking something good, I hope. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but whoever, you know, whoever does this and takes on leadership or micromobility and understand that this is the future, that the change needs to happen because it's not sustainable the way we're going. And this vehicle with all the defects, I mean, when I say vehicle scooters in, in all the, all the ways working today, there are many defects, but still are showing that to be a pretty good solution. Yeah, you're right. There is such a cultural piece, a behavioral yeah. piece of this as well. And and again, I think people need to ride a scooter to understand mm -hmm. what are the challenges so they can change their behavior. So everything is good what's happening. It's just, and, and if you consider, you know, the amount of time that this happened, maybe this less than two years. I don't know when Bird, right. I think, started on maybe September, October. Right. It's just an, um, a huge amount of change in yeah. two years. If you compare that to the car, you, you know, from horses to the car, it's just like right. decades. Or even you're talking about bikes. I mean, bikes have been around forever yeah. and very little change with yeah. that even yeah. where we are today. So, so the one thing that keeps going through my mind because of the lime and bird thing is, and what you were just saying about people changing, I can't imagine this city with all the people that visit here don't know the way around the city, jump on a scooter for the first time and like head into Times Square. I mean, the carnage from all yeah. the cars hitting that, it would just be, it would just be terrible. So I can see where other things happening outside of New York would have a good influence, you know, people being more aware of it. One thing I did want to talk about, because we've talked about the other model, which, what's your business model? More specifically, can you talk about kind of the way that you manage yeah. Your fleet of scooters that's that's different that allows you to operate in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so the the way we frame it, we are a subscription uh, service for micromobility, and, and we look at this. We didn't start this thinking about how we're going to game the system or what you know how we will get around the New York City laws. No, no, we we thought about this. Well, what is the best experience we can give somebody? What is my what what I would like to have? And, and, and me, when I say me, it's just our team and we're all thinking about collectively or what would be the ideal solution for things. And so we we knew that bird line of that model of on-demand scooters had many shortcomings. And I think at the beginning it was good uh, when you drop a bunch of scooters in Santa Monica. Yes, of course, a lot of people are going to use it, but they really didn't think about all the back, all the maintenance issues, all the you know, not finding the scooter when you want it, the availability of the vehicle, the, the quality of the vehicle when you ride. So all those things, we didn't think they were cool at the end of the day. I think it was cool to find a scooter, ride it, and then drop it anywhere. Um, so we look at what, what is the idea, and the, this, the best solution we think it is, is this hybrid mode in between owning and renting. 
So if you pay 30, 39 or 40 bucks a month, um, you get your scooter, it's yours, you keep it, you ride it, you charge it, you do everything. It's like you own the scooter. Uh, but on the other hand, we take care of all the bad things about owning the scooter. So if, um, you know, something happened to the scooter, you're, you know, in the middle of somewhere, it's, you know, it stops working. Just call us and we'll work you through to get you whatever you need to do. And we look at that stage of what happened if my roommate or my good friend calls me up, say, hey, I broke down here. What do I do? It's the same solution. So that's awesome. That is the awesome experience that we want to give our customer. It's been working out great. People love us because of that. And so that's part of the whole. That's what I say. It's not just a scooter. Right. It's the whole experience. What makes it. So it stops being a rental scooter rental to a experience bigger solution that is more related to a service than a, and the scooter is just the enabler to get you to make today right yeah i for me it's been you know full disclosure that i you, you know you and i met when the ramen chase thing was here and i think as soon as you announced the scooter i was down in your office and <laughs> signing up for yeah. one of the first scooters i live on the west side you know midtown west side there's no subway over there um, I've got about a four kilometer ride. It, it works, it works great for me. The combination of having a, a digital lock and GPS tracker, right? So, um, I can lock it up outside of a restaurant and I'm taking care of it. And I think one of the things that I also saw about uh, some of the other scooter companies is the payback time for the scooter is about four months of usage, but the scooters are only lasting about three. Yes. So they're in a constant deficit. Whereas you, the people are taking care of the scooters, they're charging it themselves, they're doing all of those things that seems to be, you know, a, a business model that has more um, sustainability to yeah, it. Yeah, I think, you know, there's, it's, it's so, you know, in this case, being green is good for business, very good for business, because in, in so far we have 450 vehicles and we only lost two. Meaning lost two is like there are two vehicles that we did not repair to the point because we made parts out of those. So that's a pretty yeah. good ratio of, and we've been operating for eight months, seven, eight, two, because we're going to go into eight months, right? So that's pretty good lifetime for that vehicle. And we still can, we expect to get 36 months of the vehicle. Um, again, I think it's vehicle per vehicle. And the, every time that, you know, we do a maintenance on the vehicle, we do a full assessment and say, what's the lifetime prediction of that vehicle? So what do we need to change? So in many ways, we are doing preemptive maintenance on the vehicle so we can make sure that that, that, but that also from the environmental point of view, if you think about it, we're not pulling trash every month of piles of scooters. So there's a lot of, I mean, when you throw away a scooter, it's, it's a lot of copper and magnets and, and batteries and a lot of things that are, I mean, they're hard to make. It takes a lot of energy and time to make, and they get wasted, and then where they get disposed. So there are a lot of things that I think are not spoken about yet, yeah. but there's something to be considered about the, that model that probably needs to be fixed. Right. Yeah, because I like that. And there's so many different ways you could take the conversation of the future of mobility, but I like that we're talking about the sustainability part and the effects on the environment. and. Yeah. And all that. So, could you just maybe talk a little bit more about the sustainability piece of micromobility and kind of like how you know you see e-scooters yeah. helping to push us in the right direction? So, and again, let's let's say e-scooter today, but it might be different things yeah. in the future. So, the the way I see it is, imagine today you have e-scooters are great, people like it, but 
it might not be the perfect thing for a mom that wants to take the kids to school. So that opens the opportunity to another vehicle or for somebody who wants to do delivery. So there are many others, form factors or vehicles that might happen. They might be well suited for this whole thing. Now, imagine the, the energy uh, uh, UPS truck moving around and parking city and the space it takes, what happens in the whole day mm-hmm. as if we were three or four people doing the same amount of work in a much smaller vehicle. I think the dynamic, if you think about what the logistic of that operation is from a micromobility point of view, mm-hmm. it might be more efficient. I'm not, I didn't do the study. I don't know, but it, to me, it makes kind of sense. You know, if I need to move an, a VA, you know, an eight cylinder truck all day and leave it running, idling, what I do. A, so there are many other things that I think if you think about the whole system, yeah. micromobility might solve a lot of issues and make it more sustainable and, you know, economically better too. Um, now also think about from the city point of view, for a city to build and maintain an infrastructure for cars and trucks cost 10 times more than it would cost to sure. build that same infrastructure for uh, micromobility vehicles. Yeah. Just in general, the concrete you need, I mean, the, 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 it doesn't break up all, as often. So there are many other things that I think it's not just about the disposal of the vehicle or it's not just the vehicle, it's the whole thing that goes behind. I think it makes more sense from the micromobility point of view on the environmental side, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's a good point too because it's micromobility, but it's just a piece of that of that solution. For, for that to work, if you translate like the example I gave you with the UBS track mm-hmm. or the city building the infrastructure, it's like a lot less cost in a much more efficient way to get it from A to B. Yeah, yeah I was just looking up um, the cost of the BQE remodel, right? So the BQE, yeah. um, the, the, the park goes away for six years and it's $3.6 billion. Yeah. We're spending $3.6 billion on transportation that was around in 1904, yeah. right? Um, one thing that Republicans and Democrats can agree with uh, right now in, in Capitol Hill is that there's a trillion dollars that's going to be spent on infrastructure. Where, where do we want to be spending that? Right. So if you spend it on the UPS truck and making the city better for the UPS truck, is that really one of where you want to spend it? Or would you rather spend it focusing on the eight to 10 million people, the humans that are going to be in that, that city? So I, I think that's a, I think that's a great perspective to, to be having to help drive that rather than thinking about one UPS truck. Are there four smaller, uh, you know, yeah. ways of moving that around, the same amount of goods and services around. Yeah, and I think it would take one city to do to 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 embrace this and do a program or do do it, and then once they can measure stuff, a lot of other cities will be able to follow through. Because remember, all this and the governmental side are all political decisions, and that carry a cost, or you know, it's 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 a lot more than just the ticket price especially for the people making the decision. So I think for us that we are around, not those people, we need to make sure that they, that we give them the right solution or, or the, just make sure that they understand where the political game will be from that point right. of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the decision is also going to be political, not going to be money. It's not going to be environment. It's going to be political. Right. So that needs to work for them. And that when we solve that, it will bring, okay, yeah. Look, 90% of uh, the people that vote for you ride scooters. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
a good voting block. So I just want to change gears a little bit um, and get a little bit more of an understanding about your background. Born in Argentina, um, and you started your professional life as a designer, right? And you've referenced the design of the bikes and now the scooter. You've done yeah. that all in house, right, with your own yeah. folks. Yeah. What, yeah, yeah. How did you? How's the background so, in design? And so how did I, it? I, I give you the not too short version of it. So okay. going going back, I'm from Argentina, and I came to the U.S. in '98, and I came like an immigrant with really nothing, just like give it a shot and see what happens. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, let's, you know, let's go there and see what happens. <laughs> um, no, but then, then, you know, I had a, a clear vision of what I wanted to do and I wanted to get my college degree. So I fought hard to actually get into school. And when I got the opportunity to go to school, I worked really hard to be good at work. And, and I went to study industrial design. So, and, and since it was very hard for me to actually get in, from many aspects, people feel a foreigner, not having money, and blah, blah, all the other things. When I got the opportunity, I worked really hard, and I just happened to win a lot of design awards when I was a student. Just happened to yeah. win those. Well, I mean, I, I, I worked <laughs> yes, over that. So yeah. I figured out what the system is. Great. It's like there's a call for entries, and then you figure right. out who the judges are, what they're asking for, what the content, the whole thing, and you come out with a solution that makes sense. Right. Same thing I'm doing today. Right. <laughs> it's basically the same thing. So it's, it's thinking about the whole thing in terms so. While I was in school, I won like 18 major design awards wow. and enough money to put me through school without getting any debt. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was great. Uh, but that also put me in a, in a good position to get a good job after school. So in 2001, I came to New York and I was the design director at a company called Human Scale. Right. So Human Scale makes office furniture and, uh, you know, economic products. And I was there for six to seven years. I don't know exactly what the length of time, but. Um, I was the first designer they, ha they hired and, and I built that full development team to do all the products and we even have an internal consultancy doing design for some of their customers. So like special projects, you know, for Microsoft, GE and other companies. So in, in a way, I was doing product, I was just living the dream of doing what I like, which is building stuff and having people use it. And so. At that point, I decided to open my own consultancy. So it was 2008 and I ran my consultancy for eight years until 2015. In 2015, I said, okay, I don't, I'm not taking more clients in. Um, uh, start winding down with the projects that we had on. And then I say, okay, I'm going to full time into Brooklyn's. Uh, and Brooklyn started in 2009. Uh, we had some downtime because uh, Ruches, the, the Lehman brother happened. Oh, this right. thing was like a, a, like a mess and there was no client returning a call. So it's like right. the great recession. It was hits. just like not happening. <laughs> so we had a staff of nine, 10 people. And then uh, we just decided to do something that we want or something that we thought would be needed. Uh, we were living in Brooklyn, our office in Greenpoint. We had like 20 minute walk to get to the subway. <laughs> so let's do the last mile vehicle. And we did a small folding electric bike, a very small one. Now that bike won the People's Choice Award of the Cooper Hewitt that's that year and many other design awards. So at that point you say, okay, there's something here because it was people voting for this product right. and not just the committee of the museum. So it was so, we say, okay, there's something here. So we kept working on that, but eventually clients came back and we got busy with client, but that's been back, back in my head all the time. So in 2015, I said, okay, you know, this is it. It's time to to do to build the dream. Uh, 
and this is the evolution of the dream. So now we've been doing this. So for the last four years, we've been doing this. Um, I don't know if I gave you the long answer. Yeah, answers, that's great. That's such a great story. That's, and I'm, I know I want to be conscious of everyone's time. I have so many more questions I'd love to ask you, but just even hearing your story and just looking at your tattoos you have there, you got know what you want and outwork them. And I just think, start with yourself. Yeah. And I just think hearing your story and how you progressed to where you are today, kind of live by those words, I can yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. And the reason, I mean, I wrote this uh, thinking about, I want my kids to ask me what they mean. Yeah. Eventually, they're going to ask me what they mean and why you write that, why you write that. And I think uh, that to me is very uh, powerful if I can, if my kids get to understand what they mean. Mm-hmm. But what they mean to me, I mean, and hopefully it will mean something to them too. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Be grateful, stay humble. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Always. So you've, you're starting to have some success, I think, now with, with, uh, with the scooters, right? It's taken off a little bit more than, so when I was last in your office, I think you guys were, you were sold out. So. Yeah, we, we were, we've been sold out and we are not doing advertising. I mean, sold out in the way that we can handle. We right. still have some in, you know, inventory to move, but uh, it's been a pretty good response. We're not doing anything. It's just we get referrals from people that are, have the scooters. They bring new people in. And, and they're proud. I mean, people bring excited. They bring their friends in. Right. Uh, yeah. And I see you guys are already working on like version 2.0 of your scooter. It's already pretty burly. It gets around the city. It's got some pretty yeah. good torque and stuff like that. However, I know you guys are thinking about the next version. What's the, what's so, the next version? So, like? again, there was a lot of learning in this time and, and us being product people, I yeah. mean, we can't help to be thinking about what a better way of doing things. So we did already spend a lot of time and we really have production ready unit, which is, Thinking about how you use this and we're looking at, there are going to be many scooters or vehicles and we're looking at the vehicle that's going to be your psychic, your, the, the vehicle that you will take with you, like you take your phone. What is, what are the characteristics of that vehicle it needs to be light and powerful. Right. So light enough so you, it doesn't, you know, cost you to bring it in or take it with you wherever you go. Uh, and powerful enough so you don't suffer uphills. And so there are many other things that are, so that is really what we're working on. So we have, Units running and they look pretty good, um, but uh, I mean it, everything has its time, so I think we need a little some more development on it. And with that, we designed the whole thing from ground up, uh, from the thickness of the copper wire that makes the motor to the actual computer that runs it, all the firmware that goes into it. So in many ways, it's like the Tesla because right. we designed the whole thing. It's like the frame, the wheels, the, like. The computer, the firmware, everything. Right. And we have total control of what that vehicle is going to do. That's terrific. Um, I think we're at our time and really appreciate you coming in. This is a great discussion and I uh, hope you have great success. And because success for Brooklyn is probably leading to more success for you know all the people living in New York rather than the UPS the trucks. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much, Benoit.